You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. God leads also by open and closed doors. Uh, I just love Acts 16. It's so practical. Uh, Let me read it. Acts 16, verse 6. Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. Now, this is the easy will of God to follow. In the sense that when God closes the door, you can't open it. Oftentimes in our lives, as big decisions come along, we want a firm answer from God or from the Bible to tell us what to do. This is an admirable thing. We want to do the will of the Lord. But unfortunately, there isn't really a Bible verse for every specific situation. Today, Pastor Danny will remind you that God shares His will through open doors. Open doors just means opportunities. You might have two or three, so pray through them and God will give you peace about the choice that's right for you. Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of Exodus chapter 40 as he continues his message, filled with the Lord, led by the Lord. God leads through submission to God-ordained leaders. Hebrews 13, 17, obey your leaders because they're watching out for your soul. Uh, And then Titus 3, very, very practical. Titus chapter 3 and verse 1. Remind the people to be subject to rulers and authorities, to be obedient. Subject to rulers and authorities. Uh, If you're living at home uh, and you're still under the authority of your parents, Unless they're telling you to do something like lie or steal, you know, something that's obvious sin, I can tell you what the will of God is for your life. It's whatever your parents say. That's the will of God. I think anybody that's going to get married ought to get the blessing of the church. The Catholic Church has got one thing, right? I'll tell you that. And it's a big deal to get the blessing of the church. And it's a big deal not to get the blessing of the church if you're going to get married. Big deal. I think that's biblical. I mean, a decision like that? For better, for worse, till death do us part? That's one of the biggest decisions in life. If, you know, other than becoming a Christian, probably the biggest decision. You want to get some good, godly counsel and make sure that the people that God's put over you in the Lord can amen this union, this relationship. And if they can't, ooh, big red flag. You say, but I love them so much. But you may not love them after you go through with it. (laughs) Even if it's God's will, you're going to have moments you're not going to love them. It's just, it is what it is. Come on, you married couple. Don't look at me like that. Say amen. Amen. She's going to get you, isn't she? Hmm. Hey, that's just reality, man. Come on. 
Live in the real world, not some fantasy land. This, this is a real world. Uh, third, third, he leads by the glory of God. Now, read these verses, and, and it'll, you'll know exactly what he's talking about or what I'm talking about here. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 31. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. If, if I can't do it and say, oh, you know, God be glorified. If I can't say God be glorified in it, then that's not God's will. Not God's will. Colossians 3.17 says basically the same thing on the other. Specifically, it says do everything, whether by word, uh, whether word or deed, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Okay, move on. I know when I was doing the notes, I'm no, it's like, if you look at this the wrong way, this is a lot of stuff, you know, to find the will of God, but it's really not. If you go back and just think about it, all these things really uh, work together by the spirit of God. Acts chapter eight, Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch, Philip is told by an angel, go down that road that leads to Gaza, which is just a desert road. You know, he uh, obeys, he goes. And then the Ethiopian eunuch is there in the chariot on his way from Jerusalem back to his home in Ethiopia. And the spirit says to Philip, go stand by that chariot. Now it doesn't tell us, uh, but I don't think the spirit said it out loud. I don't think it was an audible voice. And you just have to learn, um, and I'm still learning, but you know, the Holy Spirit, you get, sometimes it's just an impression. You just feel like, well, well, I just feel like I need to go here. I need to do this. And you feel like it's the Lord and just do it. Just do it. Um, Acts 13 is where they were worshiping the Lord and fasting and, and the Holy Spirit spoke and said, set apart uh, Paul and Barnabas for the work that I've called them. Matthew 4 is an interesting one because there it says that's where the Spirit led Jesus out into the wilderness to be tempted. Not where I would have wanted to go. I don't think Jesus necessarily wanted to go there, but he's following the leading of the Lord. In Romans 8, 14, those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. God leads also by open and closed doors. Uh, I just love Acts 16. It's so practical. Uh, let me read it. Acts 16, verse 6. Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. Now, this is the easy will of God to follow. In the sense that when God closes the door, you can't open it. So they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them because of the closed doors and then, of course, the vision, and they were led um, by faith. won't spend a lot of time on this one, but without faith, it's impossible to please the Lord. Romans 14, 23 says that anything that's not of faith, it's very interesting, Romans 14, 23, anything that's not of faith is sin. Very interesting. If I can't do it by faith, it's sin. And then this is a real practical one, and then we're going to hone in on the last two. Um, but peace, Colossians 3, verse 15. Um, well, I'll just tell you what it says. Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. And scholars say that word for rule, the Greek word actually was used uh, originally for like an umpire in a game. And that's 
really practical because you think about what it says, let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. If you're getting out of, out of bounds, it's like the Holy Spirit umpire blows the whistle on you. Blows the whistle on you. Let the peace of Christ. If you don't have peace, don't go there. Um, I had, uh, well, let me read this verse and then I'll tell that. 2 Corinthians chapter 2. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse uh, 12. Now, Paul says, when I went to Troas to preach the gospel of Christ, and notice, and found that the Lord had opened a door for me. You think that must be God's will. But wait a minute. I still had no peace of mind, even though it was an open door. Had no peace of mind because I did not find my brother Titus there. So I said goodbye to them, and I went on to Macedonia. What's he doing? He's living out Colossians let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. He had no peace, so he says, even though there's an open door, don't have any peace. Can't do it. Can't stay. Um, I, I spent a little time in the wilderness after graduating from uh, uh, Christian college and uh, wondered if I'd missed God's will for my life and all, and I'm not going to bore you with that whole story. But I ended up with um, three open doors. Three open doors, all at the same time. Had an opportunity to go to New Jersey uh, and work with two of the leaders that I had traveled with and worked with over four and a half years uh, while I was in Virginia. And uh, great guys, great guys. And they were starting a ministry there, and they invited me to come up and be a part of that ministry. Um, and I, it was a tremendous open door. I went up there, flew up there, and um, thought maybe that's what God's will was. I had a second opportunity in Dallas, Texas. I won't go into the details there, but another great open door for ministry in Dallas, Texas. And I flew out there, and I met with the group there. Also, some people that I had done ministry with while I was in college. Um, and that was a great open door. And the third open door, I got invited to move down here but I'd have to get a job, and I'd be a tent maker, and if the church grew, I would come on staff as a youth pastor of the brand new church plant, Calvary Chapel. Now, I don't know if, anybody not know that story? I'm not going to tell you all the details, but it's, okay, good. There's a few people not bored. Let me talk about it. Handful of you. If you looked at it, if you looked at it logically, Dallas or New Jersey, made a whole lot more sense. And if I told you the details, you'd go, one of those doors would have been much more logical. But here's what, honest, honest to God, get Jesus bumps thinking about it. I prayed, I had no peace. I had no peace about those two door, open doors. And God gave me an overwhelming peace about moving here. Now, I, now, I made the decision. You know how many times I doubted that decision after making the move? How many have been there before? You know, thank you. Thank you. I got a few witnesses. But this is so important, so important. Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. You know, it, you, it, 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 in any decision in life, any situation, going back to marriage, you, you love her, you love him, and you're like, this, this is meant to be. Why don't I have any peace? If you don't have peace, don't you go there. Don't do it. And then the last two, and 
got to spend enough time on these because these are right after the Colossians 3.15, let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. Then verse 16 says, and let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. And all these verses, I'm not going to take the time to turn to all of them, but I will turn to a couple in Psalm 119 because that's one of my favorite psalms, and it's all about the Word. Psalm 119, just all about the Word. Uh, Let me call our attention to just a couple from Psalm 119. Psalm 119, um, verse 9 How can a young man keep his way pure by living according to your word? His way pure. Uh, Then Psalm 119, verse 105, a very well-known verse. Uh, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light from my path. And for me, it says very practically, a lamp from my feet, that's daily decisions. That's the immediate. And a light from my path, that's long-term decisions. That's looking down the road, okay? Um, Psalm 119, one more, verse 133. Direct my footsteps according to your word. According to your word. If it's in violation, clear violation of the word of God, it's not the way to go. I was looking back on a a letter today. I I don't know why, I just... but it really fit in with the study and I don't even I don't even remember it had the person's name and I was responding to them uh, in a counseling situation and I had recorded it and it was an it was an email that they sent me and I highlighted something today that they had said they were in disagreement with me because of and here's the way they put it and I, I highlighted my strict adherence to scripture in regard to their situation. I, it's, from, it's from like 25 years ago in a counseling situation. And I saw it today and I thought, wow. And if you didn't get it, what they were doing is they were rebuking me. They were rebuking me for not understanding their situation and that I couldn't be strictly adherent to Scripture because their situation was different. I think they ended up leaving the church. Strict adherence to the Scriptures. You want to be filled with God? You want to follow God's lead? Strict adherence to the scriptures. Paul said in the last days which we are in, men are going to not put up with sound doctrine. They'll gather around themselves a number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. Man, I want to hear what the word says. What does the word say? What does the word say? What does the word say? Now, last one, and we'll spend a few minutes on this and then close. Um, I think these two, these last two, for me, um, I shouldn't say the most important, but they, they really get asterisks, all right? The word, the word, the word, and second, prayer. Now, some of these overlap, okay? Uh, the peace of Christ, you know, if I'm praying about a situation, I have no peace, you know, so some of these overlap, but we want to pray. Uh, let's go through these scriptures. They're worth taking the time, just the last uh, 10 minutes, and go through these scriptures. 1 Samuel chapter 23. I love the example of King David. Uh, what a tremendous example of a man of prayer. Uh, and since we're on a fresh emphasis, my life and our ministry of making this church more of a praying church, this was very practical. 
1 Samuel chapter 23 and verse 1, when David was told, look, the Philistines are fighting against Kela and are looting the threshing floors, he inquired of the Lord saying, shall I go and attack these Philistines? And the Lord answered him, go, attack the Philistines and save Keilah. But David's men said to him, here in Judah, we're afraid. How much more than if we go to Keilah against the Philistine forces? In other words, that's not a good decision. Once again, David inquired of the Lord, and the Lord answered him, go down to Keilah, for I'm going to give the Philistines into your hand. He made sure before he went into battle, he made sure he found out what God's will was. He didn't just haphazardly, you know, impulsively do it. You go to chapter 30, 1 Samuel, chapter 30, uh, and verse 1, David and his men reached Ziklag. They had been away, and they came back to Ziklag where the camp was, and on the third day they arrived. Now the Amalekites had raided the Negev and Ziklag. They had attacked Ziklag and burned it, and had taken captive the women and all who were in it, both young and old. They killed none of them, but carried them off as they went on their way. When David and his men came to Ziklag, they found it destroyed by fire, and their wives and sons and daughters taken captive. Now, think about this. If it's me, I'm immediately on, on the donkey or whatever I got to ride. I'm gone. That's my natural inclination. My wife and my kids are gone. They've been, they've been taken captive. I'm gone. I'm after them. So David and his men wept aloud until they had no strength left to weep. David's two wives uh, said to him, uh, David, uh, verse six, David was greatly distressed because the men were talking of stoning him. Each was in bitter spirit, but David found strength in the Lord his God. And then verse 7, David said to Abiathar the priest, the son of Ahimelech, bring the ephod. The ephod uh, was on the breastplate of the high priest, and they found out through that a lot of times the will of God. Abiathar brought it to him, and David inquired of the Lord, shall I pursue the raiding party? Will I overtake them? And the Lord said, pursue them. You will certainly overtake them and succeed in the rescue. Now, I could spend more time on this passage because, again, if it were me, my natural uh, thought process, my natural emotions, I get back home, I get back to camp, my wife and my sons and my children are gone. But David, what an example. He inquired of the Lord. Uh, you go to 2 Samuel, 2 Samuel chapter 2. In the course of time, David inquired of the Lord, shall I go up to one of the towns of Judah? Now he's asking about geography, making decisions. Where shall I go? And the Lord said, go up. And David said, where? And the Lord said to Hebron. I mean, what an example. 2 Samuel chapter 5 uh, verse 17, when the Philistines heard that David had been anointed king over Israel, they went up in full force to search for him. But David heard about it, went down to the stronghold. Now the Philistines had come and spread out in the valley of Rephaim. So David inquired of the Lord, shall I go and attack the Philistines? Will you hand them over to me? And the Lord answered, go, for I will surely hand the Philistines over to you. I'm going to summarize the next one for the sake of time. Second Samuel chapter 6. The ark has been in enemy hands for years. David becomes king, and one of the things he wants to do is take the army of Israel and go and recapture the ark, bring it back to its rightful place. They go, they capture the ark, defeat the enemy, capture the ark, but in bringing it back, it says, verse 6 of chapter 6, when they came to the threshing floor of Nacon, Uzzah reached out and took hold of the ark of God because the oxen stumbled. The Lord's anger burned against Uzzah because of his reverent act. Therefore, God struck him down and he died there beside the ark of God. Then it says David was angry with the Lord. He's angry because God strikes Uzzah. 
They send the ark to the house of Obed-Edom, this guy, and it stays there for three months. God blesses him. David hears about it, and David says, okay, let's go get it. Let's give it a second try. They give it a second try, and this time, um, verse 13, interesting, when those who were carrying the ark of the Lord had taken six steps, he sacrificed a bull and a fattened calf. I mean, you talk about reverence, but it's something different this time. The first time the oxen stumbled because the oxen are pulling a cart and the ark is on the cart. Second time, somebody's carrying the ark. What's the significance of that? First Chronicles chapter 15. First Chronicles chapter 15. Almost done. Almost done, but don't miss this. Verse 1. After David had constructed buildings for himself in the city of David, he prepared a place for the ark of God and pitched a tent for it. Then David said, no one but the Levites may carry the ark of God because the Lord chose them to carry the ark of the Lord and to minister before him forever. Jump down to verse 11. David summoned Zadok, Abiathar, the priest, all these other guys, Levites. He said to them, you're the heads of the Levitical families, you and your fellow Levites, and you're to consecrate yourselves and bring up the ark of the Lord to the place where I prepared for it. Verse 13, it was because you, the Levites, did not bring it up the first time that the Lord, our God, broke out in anger against us. We did not inquire of him about how to do it in the prescribed way. It don't get any more practical than that. David realized in the first attempt to bring the ark back, he wasn't doing it according to the word of God. He wasn't doing it in strict adherence to the word. I think these last two are absolutely vital. And you put it together with all the other ones, of course, the glory of God, submission to God, ordained leadership, the spirit of God, faith, peace. That's a big one. If I had to pick three out of all of them, put them together and say, these are real asterisks, it would be the peace of Christ ruling in your heart, the word of God and prayer. And if we'll be consistent with those things, it'll be pretty, it'll make it much more difficult <laughs> uh, to miss the will of God. Uh, you realize how many decisions there are in life? Uh, you can't turn to a scripture and find the answer. I wish I could have turned to a scripture uh, and found a verse that said to me, Mary Wendy Robinson. It would have saved three engagements and a lot of heartache for my wife especially. There was no verse. I wish I had a verse uh, that said, move to Tampa Bay. That's the will of God for you. No verse. You know, there's a lot of decisions in life. What house to buy, what car to buy, and all those decisions. And what we want to do is make it a, a habit in life. And I'm speaking to myself too, and I've been a Christian a long time, um, to make sure we're getting the leading of the Lord. And uh, these last three again, the peace of God, the word of God, and prayer. Uh, why? Because God wants us to be filled with Him. We are His temple. And God wants to lead us, and He will lead us. And then He wants us to follow His lead.
We're so thankful to be able to share the Word of God with you here on The Living Word. Thanks for being a part of our listening audience. If you want to hear today's message again, please visit ccfstpete.church. You can also join in our Bible reading plan. Just look under the Resources tab on our website for more information. As we wrap up our time with you today, we'd like to take a moment and ask you to partner with us here on The Living Word. Would you join with us in praying for the listeners of this program? During this time of uncertainty in our nation, prayer is an incredibly powerful tool to fight off the fear that's growing in the hearts of people. Please pray that each person who hears these messages would find encouragement in knowing that God has come to redeem just as He did in Exodus. Please pray also for us to continue seeking God's will for this program. As you pray, please consider if God would lead you to support us financially in some capacity. If you'd like to partner with us in this way, please visit our website at ccfstpete.church and click on the online giving guide under Forms. Anything given will be used to share the good news of Jesus. Thanks for praying with and for us. With that, we've come to the end of our time with you today. Thanks for joining us as Pastor Danny continued looking at the book of Exodus. And we hope you'll tune in again right here on The Living Word.